I was such a good boy for having everything ready. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes late. Well, yes, that's true. But that's that's because I ate too much spicy food yesterday, and it's it soured oh. the milk. Sour Ronald's milk. Ronald's Ronald milk Ronald was, having, <laughs> was having some real trouble. If I it's if I had known about this this milk trouble ahead of time, I could have watched it while, <laughs> while milking milking Ronald. Because you'd come was... down to the sour Ronald. <laughs> I was alas caught with my pants down, as it were. <laughs> Rory, we need to talk about your word crimes <laughs> <laughs> and how you maybe shouldn't do anymore used to be four ordinary Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Tuesdays. It's your favorite show that you ever have listened to. Ever. That's it. It's our show Saturday Morning Tuesdays, and I'm Austin Bridges. I'm Rory. I'm Andy, sipping that coffee, waking up. Mmm, yum, 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 good morning. And it's such a good morning as we all uh, walk over to the windmill that we work at, because we work (laughs) in a windmill, and we mill grain. We turn grain into a fine, uh, smaller grain. Uh, And that's sort of where uh... we are. If you hear typing, it's not me Googling windmills so I can uh, <laughs> perhaps engage with this theme. Because <laughs> I certainly already know a lot about windmills because well, yeah, we live in Well, you know everything one. about it because you're the captain of the windmill, dummy. <laughs> you lead yeah. our windmill or operation. We, all three of us, us windmill three, uh, are just overseeing the grains. <laughs> and while we do that, we watch a lot of great cartoons. Oh, boy. And as the windmill, as the windmill churns the wheat... What is it that you always say, Rory? Well, I always say, guys, we're going to have so much bread tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to just... We're going to make some cereal. We're going to make some loaves. And we're just going to be a little full of of cereal treats, full of those bready treats. (laughs) Well, as we load up on carbs, we also load up on (laughs) cartoons. Uh, And that's the best transition I can make. It's really Uh, good. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. And uh, our first episode tonight is, or the morning, you know, either either way. <laughs> well, uh, who can tell time in a windmill? Who can tell time in a windmill? There are no windows. <laughs> um, in our dark, windowless windmill. <laughs> um, and we're watching episode two of Cyber Six, one of our new shows that we're still very excited about watching. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go jump into it. Cyber Six, episode two. We're already watching another one. This is really fun. We haven't started a new show for a little while. Uh, we are watching the second episode called Data Seven and Julian, which is definitely the <laughs> pretty title. straightforward title. Yeah, <laughs> it is a pretty straightforward title. And as we've, as I've mentioned before, it it follows my favorite one of my favorite sci-fi conventions ever is is uh, putting a very normal name next to crazy names. Yeah. You know, I have an alternate <laughs> title for this episode, and that would be Panthers and Pickpockets, <laughs> That's which would be a really, really good, good Dungeons and Dragons kind of game. <laughs> oh, fuck. I've been playing Panthers and Pickpockets. <laughs> it's just a, a world panther. where people, there's only two types of people. There's the Panthers who run the town and the Pickpockets who steal the things from them. 
You guys That's sign it. me up for this world building. Look at this <laughs> shit. We're just crafting out of thin air right now. And it's all thanks to Cyber Six. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Cyber Six. So here's the uh, here's the synopsis of this episode, which uh, the ones that I find are not very good English and they're not very helpful. So, uh, you know, deal with that. This is funny to me. We've already told you there's a panther. So, you know, yeah, the lead's <laughs> not buried on this one. Nope. Uh, Reichter sends the panther Data 7 to seek and destroy Cyber Six. Adrian meets Julian, who is forced to steal everything. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really terrible sentence. Uh, Cyber Six finds Jose at the abandoned theater where Julian lives and battles Data 7 until the panther looks at a picture from Adrian's wallet and then saves Julian. God, yes. <laughs> Data 7 reveals to be a resurrected Cyber 29 and sides with Cyber 6. And that is this episode. You guys, I am completely smitten with this show. Me too. <laughs> I am I am smitten with our like gender fluid Nazi fighting Carmen San Diego. She is <laughs> and her she best is a friend, hero the, and her best uh, friend the on the zombie panther. Yes. Yeah. God. Oh my god. It's Where's really the good. show been my whole life? It is <laughs> we need it. We need this in twenty seventeen. We did not deserve it in what, nineteen ninety nine? <laughs> no, yeah. Well, we got actually. It actually aired on Fox Kids here in the states in 2000. Uh, oh. But it, it first aired in yeah. Canada in 1999. Got it. Uh, so yeah, that sentence. The the part of that was that was my favorite was until the panther looks at a picture from her wallet and then saves the kid because that's kind of that's kind of how the big moment of this show goes. It's just a panther sees a photo and changes his mind. Um. So there's a lot of info here, but. We don't we don't really get it at the start, so so I won't go too hard into it. Yeah, I uh, mean the the basic bits we get from the first two or three minutes is pretty quick. You know, if you see the the title of the episode Data Seven and Julian, you're like, who's Data Seven and who's Julian? Well, pretty quickly you find out Data Seven is a panther, yeah. um, who, who is tasked <laughs> to go after uh, Cyber Six, and we get some weird flashbacks. We get some two boys really quick. We get a, a rose or a, some kind of flower that gets destroyed with like a glass shattering sound yeah we've got it we've got some pretty symbolic some pretty symbolic flower destruction happening Mm -hmm. yeah and uh (laughs) flower destruction that that brings (laughs) up a a different sort of picture than i had in my brain um but the panther data seven is the one having these like strange recollections but then keeps like shaking it off and Mm -hmm. getting back to work um yeah and yeah and then we we see a little street kid and then he is referred to as Julian. And so we kind of we get we get all the information pretty quick right off the bat. Right. And Julian is kind of a Oliver style street urchin, you know, heart of yeah. gold little kid. He's got some jackass who's trying to get him to steal wallets from people. And so he works for this jackass middleman who I've just called middleman in my notes. I don't think we ever got a name for him. No. And then no, but he does have a he does have a pretty comical voice. Oh, God. yeah. Uh, but but he's reporting to a guy uh, above him, and then pretty soon in this episode, that guy suddenly has a new boss, and it's our favorite uh, boy Nazi, Jose. Yeah, and when we say favorite, I mean it's like you know he is when... he's a boy Nazi. We're we're not you know we don't love him. He's just he's that he's that speak for yourself. He's adorable. <laughs> The, the thing is, when you only have one, when there's only one boy Nazi, he is our favorite, but he's also our least favorite. Right. Because there's only one. Uh, yeah. I just refer to him as Lil Hitler. Lil, <laughs> Lil Hitler. Hitler. 
Little hitty. World War II babies. And (laughs) (laughs) it's a show that I want to produce. Um, so yeah, they, they sort of set up those two characters right at the front. We meet the, we meet the kid and he's sort of, uh, clearly fighting against the fact that he has to be a rude boy and steal things. Right. And then, uh, our other one, Data 7, who's fighting against these weird memories that they're having, but is sent off to go kill Cyber 6. Uh, and then we finally see the main characters that we've come to know and love, uh, Adrian and Lucas. Oh, before yeah. that, we see Jose is is, is um, executing his takeover of the criminal underworld by just showing up with his thugs and saying, "Your things are my things now." And <laughs> yeah, he'll his gang war goes off man pretty without a, a hitch with Frankenstein's, yeah. and then he has makes a, pretty a pretty bloodless strong... takeover. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. But he does bust down several walls. He does keep yeah. knocking down walls. <laughs> it's a very He's... compelling show of force. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Nazism in him makes him distasteful of doors. But I feel like there <laughs> there must have been a door like a few feet away from yeah, where he Yeah, well, we see him through. walking down the hallway just a minute ago. Presumably at the end of that hallway was a door, but he <laughs> goes around and then kicks <laughs> in the wall. He did he did pass by a Reichstag and he was very tempted to burn it down, but he went <laughs> through the wall instead. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but then we, we, we get Lucas, uh, there's a, did anyone really catch what was going on? Lucas is just dead set on Lucas finding a bookstore. books. Adrian is being a fucking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Adrian's the Melvin of the episode. He just can't stop quoting dumb, dumb things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, literature, literature teachers always pepper in literary <laughs> quotes into their real life conversations. They always talk about the literature they read so nobody can fucking forget it for one second. <laughs> pepper in, pepper in. <laughs> She's too good for cyber six. Uh, <laughs> not a, I'm not going to come up with lyrics for songs today. It's not going to work out. That's fine. Uh, but the, yeah, they're, they're looking for a bookstore and then Julian shows up and picks Adrian's pocket and steals Adrian's wallet. And Adrian doesn't realize for a few steps until the kid's almost gone. And Lucas's first response when he finds out what's going on is, well, fuck, let's go get it back. Come on. And he runs off because this teacher has a death wish. Like, yeah, yeah. no kidding. But also there, there was a funny little, little reversal there where he's like, you know what? It's no big deal. Cause I'm going to go catch him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just, yeah, there's definitely a lot of glee in in the excitement that is now happening <laughs> in his life as soon as yeah. he's around Adrian. Uh, he kind of reminds me of uh, if you remember if you guys watched Full Metal Alchemist, he reminds me of uh, of Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I get demerits today. <laughs> so, listeners, if you haven't heard in a long time, um, Andy does get punishment. We've been too lax on the demerits. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever no. Andy crosses a boundary into what we consider serious and malicious anime mentions, uh, we do punish him by taking points away. So, uh, or well, well, we give him negative points. I guess is the way the way it sort of works. Oh. So Andy's gonna get, I think, five demerits from. Oh that. shit! No, that's yeah. that's that's as much as a single, uh, you know, show. I can't say the name of that. One I, for I... each point of a pentagram. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Well, since right. I already say lost your, the points. Say your, no, yeah, say your, say your piece. My piece is that if you guys remember the character Armstrong, who's always like, whose shirt is always coming off and he runs into danger and love laughing. That's who, that's who Lucas is kind of reminding me of. He's, and what show is that they're, from? They're, Sorry? What show no, is that from? No, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. <laughs> is that from a, a show, from a, from an anime show? No, no, no. That's from a Western animated television show. Uh, it was a He-Man spinoff, I think. Um... Let's move on. I don't want to lose any more points today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so back to our uh, Japanese. Back to our little crime boy, Jose. Yeah. He is stealing more. He's stealing bazookas. Uh, <laughs> I find it very interesting that, you know, when we have these cartoonish Nazi villains, I sort of expected them to have some sort of cartoonishly large scale plan, and maybe they do, but we've so far we've just seen them behave like a pretty petty criminal organization, which is funny when it's like for Nazis to just be like, yeah, normal criminals. It's it's a, it's an yeah, odd juxtaposition. They're trying to just sort of get a full control over the city right now. Totally. Plus, which also, they finally probably get don't to want to lean too hard into the Nazi stuff. Is yeah. called Meridiana. Yeah, yeah. I looked that up too. Yeah, and well, it's on, that's the, just it's on the map. basically Buenos Aires, right? It kind of well, looks like yeah, it. it. It's a fictionalized town that is implied to be in Argentina, and I think by extension, you could you could compare it to Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah, you know, the one town in Argentina. Um, wait, <laughs> well, sort of uh, the one like big capital city. <laughs> the, no, I totally know. Enough, that's on the coast. The one big enough that Americans know. Uh, but yeah, it's Meridiana, and there's a. I mean, when you're talking about them being being kind of petty, it it, it did make me laugh. Later, someone. Someone reports back to Jose, and they're like, "We have control of the pool halls." <laughs> like, yeah. like, what was this on your fucking Nazi checklist? <laughs> because buckle up for Tuesdays, free pool Tuesdays for all Nazis. <laughs> because it's with the capital P, and that rhymes. That stands for pool. <laughs> I uh, almost really pulled off that Music Man reference with Nazi Twist. Um, it's fine. Um, you know, I mean, we talk about Petty. I mean, look, also, the scientist leader is too focused on turning boys into panthers. So, <laughs> I mean, there's, I can't imagine there's a lot of All right, of, but like, that is, that is, that is, a, that is a thankless job, and I'm glad somebody's <laughs> out there doing it. Are you going to panther up these boys? <laughs> no. Uh, so... The, the the thing that with Julian, they they sort of resolve this with uh you know, Lucas runs off like a like a wannabe Superman, and Adrian actually is kind of like a Superman slash woman and like jumps up onto some rooftops and chases after him and they both sort of show up, but like Adrian is totally fine and Lucas shows up incredibly out of breath and just He's saying stuff like hard. stealing things is bad. <laughs> Don't <laughs> Uh, but then we see, we see this picture for the first time that's in the wallet, which is really the only thing that Adrian slash Cyber Six cares about. Right. Uh, and the picture is the same picture that Von Reichter was looking at in the opening sequence of these two. Uh, well, I guess you can't really tell the gender. Like, oh, I don't is know. he actually looking at it? I assumed that was in the Panther's brain. No, I think it's up on his computer screen. Because he like he like looks at the picture and then the picture like artificially ages itself up to look like Cyber Six. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Like, they, yeah. They're not Cyber coy Six. about that connection. They no. you know they sort of have that. Although I do love how gender neutral the kid is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you, you know, you know. 
which you know i mean that's that's pretty standard for for how they animate cyber six across the board they're they're being very neutral on it which is nice yeah i mean it's also possible that it was a boy and then they put the consciousness into the body of a woman um and Mm -hmm. that sort of could also talk about you know one it's it's a kind of a transgender allegory um or it's sort of adjacent to those issues without Mm -hmm. explicitly being it Um, now my i actually so and I haven't read the comic though, but my understanding from the comic is actually that it is a little, I, I guess I can't say less progressive because I haven't read it and I, I can't speak to the, the implications or the, or the, um, or maybe perhaps it's handled with a, with a softer hand. But um, in the comics, my understanding is that if she's a, she, and the Aiden character is because she simply finds a driver's license with that is passable for her to use. That is that, that is that is that's a, cor- that is correct. the Adrian character, yeah, yeah, that's correct because she she realizes that she sort of looks like this guy. But I uh, think you could make the argument that it's still a you know a pretty clear uh, gender fluid allegory, even if they've mm-hmm. walked it back some in the comic. Yeah, yeah, and the comic and the cartoon are they're so different, like off the get go because of how much they're removing and changing tonally. That yeah, you you can kind of look at them separate. The, okay. I think personally, um, so I, I'm, but, but, it, you know, they're also, they're, they're kind of targeting it towards kids for the cartoon. Yeah. So I don't know how hard, I don't know how much of this is just us in 2018 sort of looking back and putting these values on top of something. Well, that totally, sort well of, I guess my point was that was, was to, was to praise the cartoon for mm-hmm. yeah. something I would have assumed they would do for a kid's cartoon of the time. Yeah, right. and they don't, do the they don't spend thing. time. Yeah, they yeah. don't spend time laughing off or be like, "Oh, you look like a boy," ha <laughs> ha, you know, or anything. <laughs> right? You know, it just they just sort of let it all lie. They just sort of yeah. let it be and just don't answer all these questions. Whether that's yeah. they're trying to be mysterious or they're just literally being like, "Look, dude, it doesn't matter if you look how you look or how you present." You know, totally. Which I think uh, it's really cool. The the question not to to continue on this uh side conversation but i do think this is interesting uh yeah. my question is you thought maybe they put the consciousness of the boy in an adult woman's body i'm wondering how much of her is actually artificial or not because yeah, i thought i thought i thought maybe she grew up right that's possible that was my impression yeah, as well that's also true like i don't know if that was like if the you know part of whatever she's made of is like capable of just growing from child to adult yeah uh, i mean we see those like embryos growing in tanks so mm-hmm. they probably his, can grow so it's his, his glowing fetus tubes for ambiance yeah of little fish boys and frog girls yeah yeah i mean the first slide of of uh lucas's bio presentation was a fetus yep mm-hmm. so yeah it's probably it's a biotech that that grows naturally right so let's okay. see what happened after that. So yeah, they the as soon as the kid is gets to know Cyber Six slash Adrian, you know he he um throws the wallet back because you know Adrian's like tries to give Julian the wallet. Mm-hmm. It's like hey, I know what it's like to be alone, and here take the wallet. And he's like, no, I don't want it. You're you're cool, and you've inspired me. <laughs> and he runs off. And, and now then, that he's decided to be good, he's confronted by just wallets falling out of pockets everywhere around <laughs> yeah. him. And as a man, <laughs> yeah, his cup runneth over. He's just sweating, like, no, I told myself I wouldn't do this. <laughs> oh shit! 
And then he hands it back. And it's very nice. Yeah. And that is yeah. when Data 7 appears. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because out by a panther. <laughs> yeah, the panther is following uh, Cyber 6. And Cyber 6 is following Julian. And the panther's having like a little crisis, having all these flashbacks up on the roof. But then someone else is watching too, and it's the middleman. And he confronts Julian. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? I saw you give that back. And Julian's like, I don't want to be a thief no more. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm about seven times your size. So no, no, <laughs> you're going to be a thief. Uh, and he takes him back to his lair, uh, which is how Cyber Six finds out where they are. Yeah, right. Because she tails, she tails them. Uh, what is this building that they're hiding in? I guess it's a theater. It's a but theater. It's a house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Then they, uh, they, they're rudely interrupted with their sort of coming home situation by the fact that Jose is now calling it his home. <laughs> hey, it's a pretty and... nice empty house. Uh, it shall be Jose's house. <laughs> <laughs> and I dub it Jose's awesome fan club for boys. <laughs> and Nazis, boys and Nazis. I mean, Jose does also have a giant Dracula castle uh, <laughs> that's made of electricity. But yeah, but that's his dad's I guess house. Fine, take them. Yeah, take the musty old theater. So Cyber Six comes to the old theater. Uh, we see a pretty hilarious parade of uh, uh, Jose's uh, zombie ghouls uh, dressed up in skimpy little maids' outfits. Yeah, the the female <laughs> fixed ideas they basically look like the male ones, but I don't like, believe that. Oh, they do have different hair, I guess. But I, I, I my impression was that too. it was it was literally the males. Just he just, just made them wear dresses. <laughs> I don't know either. Either option is strange. I think yeah. I heard a woman's voice from one of uh, them. Sure. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, the fixed ideas uh, are these, they're, they're these giant Frankenstein monsters that seem to just be in, uh, incredibly replaceable. They've got like a million of them, uh, and Jose has them and have everywhere. Been taught... And you can just clobber them around like they're, you know, Legos. I they guess. have the intelligence you know? of a four year old, but they were still taught to like love, which is sort of, sort of terrifying. <laughs> My uh, brother. Oh, God, it's so weird. And. Uh, yeah, so Cyber Six shows up and is like, Julian, you don't have to be a thief anymore. And he's like, how the fuck do you know anything about me and my life? And she's like, I know because I do and I was following you. Because I literally saw you 10 <laughs> minutes ago and I look pretty much the same. <laughs> uh, but then Data 7 shows up and sort of breaks off what I think is a pretty cool protracted fight scene. Yeah, dude, this fight was amazing. This uh, Panther fight was awesome. I don't know how clear we've been in our discussion. I apologize, but uh, there's a photograph of young Cyber Six and this other younger boy, Cyber uh, Twenty Nine, and the big, yeah, Cyber Twenty Nine, uh, who we realize at the height of this, you know, the the big moment of this fight that Cyber 29's brain was put inside the body of this panther. Well, we by realized the big bad that pretty guy. much after an accident. In the very first cliff. scene, there's this accident, and it cuts to well, true, and it cuts to Data Seven, kind of noticing the scar on his head and i found it a pretty clear this is definitely yeah this is definitely the same person i guess i guess for the kids who aren't paying attention they'd notice right now potentially uh but yeah yeah they, they it wasn't hard to figure out um but it, it, it's somebody that cyber six saw as a brother 
uh, and they had a good time together, but that Cyber 29 had accidentally died in a horrible accident where they were trying to go find a flower off the side of a cliff and Cyber 29 uh, fell. Uh, and she thought that he was dead the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but but just kidding, he's become Panther. Uh, and they have an amazing fight throughout so all the sets and the balconies, the catwalks, the like set, the hung sets the rigging and all that stuff cyber six and the panther are just fighting are just duking it out and it's so fucking cool yeah and it's like right on top of all the bad guys who are having a big like gross feast they're eating and then like you know so they like bust in on them in the middle of dinner julian's running around on the rafters and he's dropping set pieces on trying to trying to like you know fuck up the panther uh there's an amazing moment where they're like jumping through the air and cyber six grabs onto a pole and swings around it. And then like slams down on the Panther midair with like both feet and smashes them into the ground. It's just really cool. It is. And there was was a fun little visual thing where the, the Panther and cyber six have roughly the same, uh, physical abilities, like for leaping and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, but every time the Panther takes off, he like crushes the crushes, the stuff around him. That Cyber yeah, Six more deftly launched herself claws. off. It was, it's a pretty cool di- dynamic between these two characters, right? Where one is destructive and one is less, and one is more uh, mm-hmm. constructive. And right, sure. We then have our our little scamp friend Julian come in and drop a stage set to kind of save the day a little bit. Mm-hmm. Come in for the clutch, and and then we get like one of the coolest suavest things where the panther sees the photo has the realization sees the arm tattoo of cyber six on cyber six and then grabs the photo and like cuts it in midair and like flicks it back like a card like a card shark or you know or like like throws it back (laughs) uh to cyber six and it has a, a gash on the forehead of 29 and which is then exactly off where the, the forehead cut on the panther and he's like yeah fuck that is smooth that was a smooth fucking move and yeah like it just shoots through the air like exactly like that like a card shark style and she catches it and i don't know that was that was baller that was cool nonverbal storytelling right uh i liked that a lot yeah uh, you know what but- i what actually struck me during this fight scene and and like the food and the eating and just the way a lot of the characters are animated some of the time, the vibe I got, there was something that I was like connecting before. And I realized it reminds me of Akira in some ways. Mm -hmm. I get kind of an Akira vibe with the sort of the ugliness of some of the, the bad guys and and the detail, the way the details are done. I just, I get this. No, it's definitely there. You can see it. It's really clear. I didn't bring it up last time. Um, You didn't get to it, but the attention to, to light and sources of light is something that I've, I can only really compare to Akira. Also the high frame count too. Sure. Uh, I'm not positive how many of the staff who actually physically animated this were shared between the projects, but it is TMS Entertainment. Oh, it's literally the uh, animators same, from Akira? It's, it, it's the same studio that did Akira. Oh, shit. Oh. Uh, but TMS Entertainment was was and still, I think, is kind of huge. Like, they had all, sure. all these, like, Deke and Warner Brothers contracts that were outs- outsourced to them. So they mm-hmm. did animation on Animaniacs and, like, Inspector Gadget. Like, they were all over the fucking place. So, yeah. But but I don't know. Maybe there's some style DNA at the at the studio that made its way in there. I think maybe some production value certainly did. Yeah. So we get a good panther. Yeah. We get a, a nice, sweet, sweet panther boy. 
Uh, the very end of the episode, the last sequence, uh, Jose's pissed at everything that's happening, and he has uh, probably about five or six separate fixed ideas with different rocket launchers, fire rockets at them. Yeah, Data 7 uh, appears to have reconstructed his memories and attacks Jose. Mm-hmm. And fucking... It's like they didn't learn their lesson from the warehouse last episode. Their rockets blow up inside. That's a problem. It blows up the whole building, and they have to leave. So yeah. they ru- they ruin their new home. Yeah, they constantly stockpile uh, rockets, and it's constantly a problem for them. <laughs> it's a huge problem. <laughs> but at They're least they control the pool halls. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They'll always have the pool halls. <laughs> Uh, and then there's just a cute moment on a rooftop where uh, Julian and Data7 and Cyber6 are all kind of like, ha, 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 we're friends now, and we got out of that, and we're wholesome. Yeah, that so I, I don't know if, if like Cyber6 and Data7 are going to like adopt Julian. or Otherwise, it's going to be like, all right, well, back to the Bye. street with you, you dirty little street urchin. <laughs> yeah. like, well, seriously. Gonna, my assumption is that he'll go back on the street, but he'll kind of be more like the like a, like a Baker Street Irregular for her, you know? Sure. Like an informant. Uh huh. So I don't know, but I hope we haven't seen the last of them. They're kind of cute. I uh, I just want to see that panther again. I don't care about the kid. I just want to see that fucking <laughs> just one panther. more panthers. They should have called this show. <laughs> set up a badass panthers. panther and then a cyborg panther that shows up and then is there's gone. a pan. The title of the show is "There's a Panther in Episode 2. <laughs> <laughs> Hold your hands. All right. Should we uh, should yeah. we hear from a sponsor? Let's play. Let's do it. Hey, Austin. Yeah, Andy. Uh, you're looking really good today. I just wanted you to know that. I know. You're very cute. Uh, we have a new sponsor today, and I was wondering if you could uh, rap about him for a sec. Okay. Yeah, I've got my rhymes all prepared. Please <laughs> please tell the people what I'm going to be rhyming about. <laughs> uh, can, you, can you tell us about chimney beans? I got him again. He got him yeah. again with those, with those sweet I'm very excited words. to tell you about Chimney Beans. Now, if you'll excuse me, here we go. <laughs> well, Chimney Beans are here to stay, and they're going to be changing your life in a major way. And if you know just what that means, I'm telling you about those Chimney Beans. They are small. They go in your house. They make some smoke when you see a mouse. If you see a mouse, just... Burn those beans, and they'll burn up your chimney. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was real good. Yeah, that's all the copy I have for it. You want to uh, expound but, upon it a, a little bit? Yeah, so basically uh, what they do with that fun rap that they've written is um, <laughs> that, you know, whenever you see mice in your house, you literally put one of these small good beans in your in your, in your your fire, in your chimney, and it uh, fills the house. You don't... You, Make sure you have the flu off and closed <laughs> so that it fills your house with a deadly mouse smoke that will hopefully only kill the mice that you see. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, it's been really handy, especially for when you're seeing those critters. Um, I, I don't recommend getting too fresh with that smoke uh, because it hasn't been FDA approved, but uh, those beans really get effects. So they get well, great imagine- results. You know, people are a lot bigger than mice, so you know you think the mice will die first. Yeah, yeah, and and they usually do. Um, although <laughs> there is a warning that for the mice that it does not kill, they will become incredibly strong. 
so it will sort of weed out the, the weaker mice, but you will get a, a lot of alpha mice that have survived several chimney beans and have grown resistant to it. <laughs> <laughs> so you might just have need to... Formed in, have formed into a rat king? <laughs> yeah, you just might need to seek them out uh, and find uh, individual help for those particular trouble mice. So that's chimney beans. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Of course. Cleaning up the territory, keeping evil on its toes. Takes a Keep on churning that wheat in the mill, <laughs> my friends, because uh, that's what I'm doing ready. always. Because it's yeah, still a windmill. Good. The wi- <laughs> good. Thank you, King. Windmill King. <laughs> I thought it was the windmill captain. The windmill captain. The, the king and the captain are basically the same thing. Okay, there are great. some subtle differences, but you are both of them. <laughs> well, you're the one who told me all about this windmill lifestyle, so I'll defer to you. Yeah, I'm the He's CEO. the chronicler of the windmill. Yeah. <laughs> um, the chief chronicler the- of the windmill. Okay. So we're watching Mumesa. We started that recently. We're on episode two now. Mm-hmm. And that second episode is called A Snake in Cow's Clothing. And uh, you would think a snake could saying, wear cow's clothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah their shape. And a cow. We're starting with a cow's clothing as the normal piece of world building in this. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking up this episode on YouTube, uh, it's not going to show up. It's episode two. Uh, and it's going to look like episode 11 and you might be led to watch episode two, which is a different episode, uh, which I might've seen by accident. And then we had to stop the podcast and, and then I had to go watch this one. So, um, yeah, that's I mean, we'll, we'll always tell you the title first, but if you're trying to watch along before you listen, uh, you might need to do a little Google foo to make sure you're up to the right episode because right. they're all scrambled up on the YouTube. Yeah. But so this one, this correct one is called The Snake in Cow's Clothing. And uh, let me read that synopsis for y'all. A mysterious bull named Jacques Lebeef arrives in town who has all the women drawn to him. Mm-hmm. Moo and Dakota are suspicious of him, especially after Miss Lily is robbed of the items in her new safe by the masked bull in a plot to discredit Jacques Lebeef, who is secretly a notorious con artist named Barney Finkelberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I found this one interesting because uh, it wasn't just a straight up the hero versus the villain situation. There's sort of an enemy of of my enemy is my enemy situation happening. Right. (laughs) Yeah, there is kind of a a two-pronged villainous approach here of different levels of of rascalness. But uh, it's also boys versus girls. A little bit of Western trivia here. Are you guys familiar with the character Labeef? I'm not. I'm sorry. this This is a reference? Yeah, I mean, it's, oh. it's the, the, so because that's a joke because they spell beef like the cow way in this one. Sure. And it's spelled like Shia LaBeouf. Got it. Um, okay. And oh. he is he is the Texas Ranger from True Grit. Oh, fuck. I it's had LaBeouf. no idea. LaBeouf. The John Wayne movie. Uh-huh. Oh. Huh. That was so a fun then... fact. Rory, I'm so proud of you. You brought a fun fact to the podcast. That's usually well, I love my, Westerns and I don't like job. voice acting. <laughs> so when we're in my wheelhouse you'll hear some more fun facts <laughs> wow we've got do we need to make rory like get cowboy demerits of some kind i don't know because i kind of like it i kind of like what he's bringing to the table uh yeah. so i don't want to punish it 
Right. Uh, you know, if you guys liked anime a little more, maybe we wouldn't <laughs> punish me. But that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, the biggest thing that I think that we should bring up about this episode is that it's Tim Curry constantly doing a terrible French accent. It is it is terribly good. It it is terribly good, and I think there's some there's a little bit of uh, do do justice that is deserved because the character is not meant to be French. So yes. he is putting uh, on airs. He's putting on airs. Yes. So I, I think it's fair that his accent is is dramatically over the top. But oh boy, does he wiggle that tongue around every word <laughs> <laughs> like a sweet molasses, like a sweet French molasses. Just wiggle the way it he all. will say just a word like mud. He's oh, he flapping. finds a way to make it hilarious. He's flapping his tongue like a 1920s jazz dancer. <laughs> so, yeah. There's, yeah, this character, this new character, Jacques Labeef, he is he's kind of a, a, a snake oil salesman situation. Uh, he's showing up in town in Cowtown to sell a whole bunch of worthless products uh, and make money off the rubes. But all the women in town decide that he is just the bee's knees. He's a smoking hot hunk alert. He's 90% torso. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I look for in a man. Primacy of torso meat. Um, He's he's very interesting. He's he's dressed like a, you know, sort of like a southern gentleman. He's got these big old blonde mustachios. Uh, Yeah, he's kind of a Kentucky... Sort of a Colonel Sanders yeah, fellow. Yeah, the mustache. The mustache is also a uh, a reference to the to the character Labeef. Hmm. Man, I'm learning so much today. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So the opening scene happens. There's a train that shows up because we love trains. But immediately, I'm mad. Uh, because <laughs> is it the goat this is not conductor, a good... or no, it's not because it's of the goat ram. character. It's because the train is a one p.m. train, and last episode we were led to believe that there was a noon train, and the next train that came after that was at one forty-five. So I don't I know where there's room for a, a one p.m. train. Damage to the railway system; they had to <laughs> sort of redo yeah, that, how that, they do that trains. That magic tunnel they made shaved to forty-five minutes off the commute. <laughs> So now it's at 11.15 and a 1 o'clock. All right. I'll buy that for now. It just, yeah. <laughs> in a very silver hoxy kind of way, I was worried that they set up something very specific and then dashed it instantly with some just poor paying attention. Uh, you know, like with what they did with the cab fare and then the, the money. Uh-huh. Uh, but no. Okay. Okay. I can move on from this. I can be okay with the train schedule. We You're can solve have this. to be. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't have to cancel the show right away. (laughs) Is this our first, (laughs) second episode cancel because of train schedule? (laughs) Because they couldn't keep their train schedule straight. (laughs) Oh, man. But the the train is stuffed full of all of Jacques Labeef's shit. And uh, Miss Lilywake shows up and she's trying to get this safe that she's ordered from Jersey City. And I do want to point out that that is a really good pun because of Jersey Cows. Oh, uh, I did not. I did not at all. That is a really good pun that I like a lot. Uh, and Jersey City. But she's ordered a, a fancy safe. And uh, and so she runs into Jacques Labeef and he immediately puts his uh, his his work upon him, her, his dirty work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets the wiggles his his little charms into her. Uh face i guess okay that's a good that's a better option than whatever words you could whatever you were gonna say (laughs) your second choice is the right choice 
I don't want to. I don't want to do too many terrible impressions of what he sounds like trying to do a French oh, accent. Please. Oh, but, please do. But there's a line <laughs> that he delivers right up front, where he says, uh, "A little care, s'il vous plaît. The trunks are filled with fine goods, which I, Jacques Le Beef, sell only with those with superb taste." <laughs> and <Pretty good. laughs> it's it's like I can't even do. I'm <laughs> I'm so good at accents that it's really hard for me to do a bad one. Mm. Uh, no, j- just kidding. But that that is it is really bad. Uh, which of two, course is two, played for it's funny. It's the one p.m. It's the one p.m. It's one p.m. train. Toot, and I and I'm it. And I'm just tooting my own horn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually not that great at a French accent. Let's be real. But uh, but it is it is hard before you know that he's fake French. Uh, listening to the episode and being like, oh, man, why did they get Tim Curry to do this again? <laughs> That's a good point. You are led to the belief, whether you think he's a colonist or not, the impression is not that he's not French. Yeah. 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 Although there is a very hilarious moment with the wanted poster. <laughs> yeah. Where our, skep- <laughs> our skeptical, skeptical deputies uh, say that five times fast. Yeah. And, um, uh, look at an old wanted poster of some of somebody, and then they draw a little mustache on it. And immediately, <laughs> they're taken aback by his superb <laughs> likeness to Jacques Labeve. Well, no, they they decide that that's not him. I think maybe it's close. They're like, yeah, oh, it was a little unclear. No. They're like, oh, they, we're on the right track, but this guy's not it. So they yeah, they're sitting on the wanted draw posters. Mustaches on They've got a stack poster. of wanted pe- yeah. posters, and they're just drawing little mustaches on them and seeing <laughs> <laughs> seeing if any of them fit. Yeah, because they're they're. It's hard to tell whether or not uh, Moo and Dakota and Colorado, whether or not their their suspicion of Jacques Labeef is is from a place of genuine feeling, or if it's just because they're jealous that all the ladies are paying attention to Jacques. I thought uh, it was pretty uh, interesting because they did toe their... that line. They were like, "We're lawmen, but our intentions are impure," and they had to kind of struggle with that. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, mm. Yeah, because like, they know he's a criminal, but they also know that he hasn't done a crime yet. shit it's that loophole that criminals sometimes use where they don't be criminals (laughs) (laughs) damn it (laughs) there were a lot of really great one-off characters in this too one-off like voice actors there was a pig who shows up at one point oh Uh, yeah because missile has this safe and everybody wants to put stuff in the safe yeah and there's like a really great buffalo there's a buffalo who shows up who has a very fun voice and as soon as he gets the go ahead then literally everybody else in town shows up with stuff they want to put in the safe yeah um, the part about the part about that that I I can't speak the part about that that I find fascinating is that they trust Miss Lily's safe more than they trust the local bank cuz they're all going to withdraw their money from the bank and put it in this random safe in a saloon somewhere I think there was yeah. an impression that the bank is owned by a baloney and they yes. all kind of hate him. <laughs> yes. Which I find fun in a lot of ways because ostensibly someone keeps voting for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But they I don't mean, trust him with their money at all. Do you think everybody in the town just knows the people who are corrupt are corrupt <laughs> and they just kind of deal with it because they know there's literally nobody else around? Like a the the devil, you know, situation. Yeah, exactly. They're like, look. The the sheriff is definitely an evil man, and his deputies are horrible criminals, and the mayor is corrupt and bad, but 
the masked hole uh, yeah, is clearly just him well, in a sack. Not to, not to I don't see any other mayor in, uh, so in Wild West uh, politics, but I, I think if they were, you know, if they were territories, then the leadership could be appointed. They, they might not sure. be elected. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's true. Uh, in any case, it is funny that they trust Miss Lily more than they trust their pseudo-elected mayor. Yeah. And so they bring all their valuables and they shove it in her safe and she can barely get it closed. And there's a there's a funny sequence where uh, Colorado tries to close it, but just makes a complete ass of himself. Um, But then Jacques comes over and he's like, I will get it closed. And he uh, in that moment steals Miss Lily's sarsaparilla recipe out of the safe and does get it. closed. possession is her secret recipe for sarsaparilla. (laughs) Which will never stop being funny to (laughs) Miss Lily's sarsaparilla. Yeah. And so. After making the the mayor mad by sort of like everyone took all the money out of his bank, uh, he's against Jacques Labeef. And then the marshals are against Jacques Labeef because they're jealous because Calamity Kate and Miss Lily are both fawning over him. And so it's almost like this almost could have worked out really well. Like they could have just exposed Jacques Labeef if he had been doing a crime and everyone would have been happy and he would have been kicked out of town, I guess, except for the women. Um but it does not work out that way. Um, no, indeed not. <laughs> no, so the mayor and and his all his bad boys start plotting <laughs> separately, and it's it's kind of unclear for the rest of the episode. Things kind of break down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I got confused. Maybe maybe it's because. I don't know. I was trying to watch this episode quickly because maybe I didn't watch it before <laughs> when I was supposed to. But to me, it got really hard to follow between what Jacques actually did and what the mayor's crew actually did. Yeah, because the I would mayor say, wants I would agree. to plant the last, the last five or six minutes are kind of compressed. Yeah, because the mayor and he does say at one point in one swell swoop. Uh, <laughs> instead of fell swoop, he does definitely say in one swell swoop. Uh, to to try to get Jacques convicted of stealing everything in the safe, he lifts his hanky. He yeah. steals his hanky and plants it on the safe. It's a monogrammed hanky. Yeah, it's a monogrammed hanky that says JLB. Uh, and did, no, did we actually see him steal it? Yeah, we saw the masked yeah. bull go in and oh, steal because it. Because I think it's interesting that somebody has a monogrammed hanky for their fake name. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But I guess it sells the character. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, but in his room alone, though, Jacques Labeef does have a great moment where he's literally just kissing his money. <laughs> uh, kissing his money, kissing his possessions, just, oh, mm, ooh, love that money. Yeah, it would have been fun to see him do his normal voice in there. It was a surprise yeah. that alone he does the Jacques Labeef character. I would say yeah. that. And talks to himself. He makes a little his bit fake hammy. hair tonic. to kind of preserve the Scooby-Doo ending at the end, I yeah, guess. Yeah, sure. I agree. Yeah. Um, but he makes this fake hair tonic um, oh, that he so was hucking before. So many questions. And he describes the recipe for this hair tonic. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, so anybody, you know, sort of like a YouTube person, like a binging with Babish who likes to create film stuff uh, could easily replicate this, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but it's, uh, he says, one part sugar. And he pours the sugar in these bottles. And, and one, part one part water. And then he pours the other part water, and it instantly it, becomes a black viscous tar liquid. 
<laughs> it's no the water coming out of the jug is already black viscous yeah, the water, already yeah i noticed bl- that too oh. the water arm was already fucked up yeah so what okay two parts yeah. water you're leaving something out there is it scum water what kind of yeah. water are we talking Did he here? Just put food coloring in there, like because then it's then it's another part water and then some food coloring. That's yeah. the third stage of the recipe. Oh, it was so very strange. Yeah. sugar sugar and water does not a black concoction make. Yeah, unless you boil it for ten hours or something like Coca Cola, <laughs> yeah. but. You know, I think not... that is how they make Coca Cola. You're right. It's just sugar water that they boil for ten hours. Right there, the... it is. You know, cola flavoring and color and caramel color is just kind of whatever and fun stuff. But that results from the boiling. Um, but then the Mastable takes his monogrammed hanky and the mayor's like, ah, now I just need a juicy diversion. And the diversion he comes up with is this giant town hall dance that he invites everybody to. And yeah. I have a uh, red alert, sound the alarms, sound the terrifying alarms, woo, woo, woo. There are horse people dancing. Oh shit! I didn't, dancing yeah, I didn't at, even notice that. At this dance, there are horse people. Sound the alarm because they also ride horses. Are there? <laughs> how, what the how, fuck is happening? How does this work? The cows ride horses. This, this is a goofy Pluto situation happening right now, and I'm very uncomfortable yeah, with Jesus it. Jesus Christ! What have because you done, Moomin? I don't know so. what's worse. I don't know what's worse that maybe all horses were judged unfit and they're all <laughs> dumb, or that. Some of them are, and some of them maybe are still intelligent, but being used as workhorses, I, I don't know where to go with that. But it definitely well, freaked me the out. The other, the other difficult part with that, the other uh, problematic element is how <laughs> often they still use the non-inclusive language of just referring to like, "Hey, hold your heifer tight," and like, <laughs> "This is cow town." Yeah, and there's and clearly like rabbits in the of dance. The year. Yeah, there's like rabbits and different people, and it's like, "Hey, we're all cows, right?" And like, "Nah, dog." <laughs> You know, not everybody is is a fucking cow, okay? And yeah, it's like some it's, fuckers trying to promote bovine purity out here. Yeah, this like hierarchical system of cow <laughs> of the cow elite, and then like everybody else is just like whatever you want, and I hate it. It's really really freaky, but uh, yeah, right at the beginning of the dance, there are horse people. Uh, the truth is out there, y'all. Um, I don't. I'm gonna need to see. I'm gonna need to see. Need to see receipts on this. <laughs> uh, okay. So the dance. Let's talk about the dance. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cute. Uh, because the the boys show up and they're trying to ask their ladies to dance, and Moo actually comes up and does. He's like, Miss Lily, you want to dance with me? But Dakota goes up to Kate and he goes, mm, "What he said." <laughs> <laughs> and it it. It's very cute because I like I like the Dakota dude character a lot. He's he's very uh, he's pretty good. He's he's called Dak. (laughs) Dak Prescott. It still blows my mind. I can't handle the fact that Dak Prescott was named after the Dakota dude. I'm going to (laughs) say we should say that in every episode. Can we do that? We should just ring a bell. Have a new segment. We're just like, okay, uh, (laughs) your daily reminder. uh, Dallas Cowboys quarterback (laughs) Dak Prescott is named after Dakota dude in the show we're watching. <laughs> Give us your clicks, <laughs> <laughs> sir. Can, sir. All I need is a few clicks to get through the day. <laughs> please, we're so hungry. Should we jump to the uh, safe robbery? Yes, please. There is some horror to discover that the safe has been robbed. 
Uh, everybody comes in, notices, and it's all empty. They bring in the sheriff, who conveniently plants the hanky after. I mean, yeah. that's they, they bad planning. They robbed the safe already, and then they didn't put the thing that they got to plant there. Like he shows up and adds it later. Yeah, it's like he forgot he got out of the building and was like, "Ah, oh, shoot." The oh, one shoot, thing I gotta do it. I gotta do it when I show up. <laughs> this is gonna look really bad, but I, that's all I got. <laughs> the the gambit that Moo Montana sees through is that uh, there's no chalk mm-hmm. uh, on Moo on uh, Jacques Labeef's shoes or something. Like he put chalk around, yeah, around the, the safe. safe yep. and they notice that Saddlesore is walking away with chalk on his feet. So. They follow, they give chase, and then our our three boys get captured. Yeah, it's an odd it, thing. It just seems like a little road bump. They get captured by the yeah. masked bull, and then they're like, oh no. And then they get out and they find them anyway, like I like mean at this point I think later. we can kind of we can kind of compare our um lower budget uh cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons, and say mm-hmm. that there's a pretty solid chunk of time that appears to regularly be devoted to just nonsense and this right. one you know silver Rocks was, cow- was space nonsense this one we get some time for cowboy nonsense <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so I'm we just kind of riding around nonsense, basically yeah, yeah fighting just, for a bit yeah we get some more like rickish ricochet star bullets and yeah mm-hmm. but um, in the end it's just a tiny setback and they find the guys and they find all the stuff that was stolen out of the safe um, it was funny that all of the women have lined up to bring pies and such to to Labeef. Yeah. Yeah. And that was already kind of funny. But I, 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 at first I was a little bit, it was a little, I would say, uh, bad tasting in my mouth. And then yes. the fact that all of them were smuggling in like breakout tools, I thought was very funny. <laughs> right. Just like, we're just so completely helpless for this man. <laughs> yeah. Like Yeah. Well, then there's a hacksaw you know. and a pie. Uh, just because a man shows up and talks pretty French, talks does to you not, for a minute, yeah, does not destroy all women. Like, does not destroy their like common sense. No, and <laughs> I, I, admittedly, we haven't spent a ton of time with this show or these characters, but I had a hard time kind of believing that Miss Lily would just buck the whole system and try and break a man out of jail just because she spent a few minutes with him and was convinced he would never steal. Right. Uh, that. Yeah, like she threw she threw a horse out of a bar last episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for like looking at her wrong. Yeah. Um but but yeah, so that was that was a little strange. She did use uh, her feminine wiles on Moo Montana to get him to go like try and prove his innocence. All she had to do was bat her eyes at him, and he was like, "Well, okay." <laughs> like, it yeah, just... where's that in the code of the West, Moo? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Living well, by the coat of your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Living by the coat of <laughs> <Yeah>. my dick. <laughs> I call my call my dick the West. <laughs> the, the wind is Mariah, and my dick is the West. Um, yeah, this is good. It's real. <laughs> this is good. This is good podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so how does this? How does this end up? So they they Moo is a, uh, a little unhappy. Town. Yeah, well, he they, he has to like prove the mo- mayor uh, shows up though. The mayor first. The mayor shows up and throws the sheriff and the deputies all in prison. Well, because because, like, because oh, Lebeef nope, has nope, gotten nope, away. Go to prison. 
the the version of the the way that their legal system is set up at least in local in the local uh jail is more like a timeout uh, <laughs> yeah right because yeah. these guys get to keep being sheriffs after their timeout is up yeah <laughs> that's true yeah we uh, see no follow-up on in other episodes of like hey look this man just went to prison he's still your sheriff but i guess he was <laughs> Not convicted. He did his time. He was just being a rascal one day. It's fine. Being a rascal. Just go just go sit play. in this. Go sit in the jail, you rascal. Uh, but, but yeah, so so Moo has come to to release Labeef because the, the terrible were the ones who did the only crime that we actually caught. Even mm-hmm. though the audience has actually seen Labeef do some crime. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he has already... He fraud, and he also stole that coin with a magnet at the beginning. Yes. Yes, he right. did. And his train is full of treasure. Yeah. <laughs> so he's now skipped town, and uh, Moo Montana catches up with him on the train and calls him out for being Barney Finkelberg. Oh, God. In, in a, and he has a very distasteful nasal voice. He does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, props to Tim Curry for the range on that. Yeah. I guess. I, I'll give you props, Tim Curry. Just one today. You may have a prop of mine. Look, yeah. look, if I didn't know it was Tim Curry and I heard both of those voices, I don't think I still could have told you it was Tim Curry. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? you, your argument is that if you didn't know it was Tim Curry, you couldn't have told me it was Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> like, before hearing, I mean, I knew it was Tim Curry as Jacques right. Labeef. Okay. From prior knowledge, not from hearing his voice sounds. Not from, not from investigative skills. Ah, okay, right. okay. Should we keep this train going? I would love to get back on this train with you. Let's ride. Hey, Rory. Whoa, holy heck, what is it there? Rory, sorry to surprise you here in the middle of the windmill. (laughs) I know, I was eating my sandwich, (laughs) eating my tuna sandwich. Uh, But but, it's okay, uh, tell me about your story. Yeah, I want you to tell us about our brand new sponsor that is thrilled to be working with us. Uh, can you tell us about the all-new family restaurant that is uh, supporting us that's called TGI Alberts? TGI Alberts is a is a family-style restaurant where you can bring up to and including three children and one old-timer uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a delicious uh, Canadian-style brunch for dinner. Uh, in- including, uh, but not li- uh, but not limited to uh, uh, tuna sandwiches, <laughs> potato salad, a toast, and let's say they also have uh, poutine because you know TGI Albert, the Canadian <laughs> spokesman, the spokesman for Canada. He's the, he's Albert's there, Ronald McDonald. Oh, you really nailed all the traditional Canadian dishes. <laughs> That's we got, yeah, we you got know, them all we, we down got, there. It's, we got toast from Canada. They came up with it first, I think. They are the first ones who were like, you know what this bread needs? Fire. And boy, <laughs> howdy, were they right. They came out with some pretty... To- it's, it, toast is the, like, the freshest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> which directly led to the invention of toast. <laughs> and we have Albert of of Canada to thank for that for all his many his many machinations in the food industry. Yeah, can you tell services. us a little bit how the restaurant was founded? Well, so Albert was like, "What's up with there's no Alberts ones?" And 
<laughs> and Canada was like, what you talking about, Albert? They're all yours. You are Canada. And he's like, no, I want one that's that says what you feel about me. And so they made TGI Albert's, the restaurant that uh, you can bring three kids and one old timer to to eat poutine and toast. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that stands for, thank gosh, it's Albert's, right? Right. And even the gosh is the G-O star star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could we couldn't get too close to those swears? <laughs> not not around the family. Not with those fa- not with the not with those old timers coming in complaining about swears all the time. What happens if you came in with like more than one old timer? <laughs> you got to split them up. One of them has to sit sit alone across the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, and the old timers hutch. <laughs> and they cannot be served food, correct? <laughs> They're allowed to lap it out of a bowl. <laughs> Boy, good luck, Grandma. <laughs> that's the sign that's next there. It says, good luck, Grandma. Old timer Hutch. And then Albert high-fives the young ruffians. That sounds great. Well, be sure to go check out Thank Gosh It's Albert's. All right, everybody, welcome back to Saturday Morning Tuesdays, where we're watching episode 24 of Sailor Moon, an artful, where is it? Artful attack. An artful attack. So guess what, guys? Guess what happens in this one? Oh, boy, oh, boy, Oberto, because you're in for a real treaty poo. It goes, Queen Beryl is angry that Zoicite has lost the last two rainbow crystals. Zoicite... Or it's now it's now been pretty well homogenized to Zoisite. Yeah. Begs Zoys- for another chance and locates the carrier of the green rainbow crystal, an artist named Peggy Jones. Peggy <laughs> has asked Serena and Darian to model for her, which they do. Then the moon wanted then the when the moon wand began to pick up a crystal signal, she discovers that the crystal is with Peggy. After Zoisite turns in her into a monster, Serena is more determined than ever to save her. Yeah. The fact that you have a character named Peggy Jones just further Peggy illustrates Jones. the fact that the people doing the English dub are like 55. Uh-huh. <laughs> God. It's They're not just, a... Oh, we'll go down to the malt shop with Peggy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> go to the sock hop. Peggy Jones and Bobby Jim. Uh, I think that this episode is... I don't know. It, it has followed the the same sort of cloth that we have been you know that the same last few the last few have been cut from and at the same time it does one interesting thing for me which is that it sets up this idea that tuxedo mask might actually be at odds in a real way with everyone else on the show yes yeah, so yeah. i had a couple uh, there were a couple things about this episode that i found uh, quite interesting so yeah same our, our sort of main our main sort of moral quandary for the episode is that uh peggy jones uh uses a pseudonym for her painting because she has low self-esteem <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I found it very interesting in her, in contrast to the, her conversations with Serena, who is is very much pro Peggy's self esteem. But it's a different context because she also has an alter ego, and I found that 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 dilemma, that kind of working through the two sides of of keeping a personal identity, yeah, uh, safe and, like, and for what purposes it provides, was a very interesting uh, episode. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and and Serena keeps bringing up the like, well, it sucks that you do all this cool stuff and and no one knows it's you. Yeah. But I don't know that there's any like solid moments where she stops and reflects on like, oh, I kind of feel that way too. But mm-hmm. like she does understand it, right? Like that does kind of suck that you have to have this secret name that you do all your cool shit under and everybody knows right. you as Peggy who's not cool. There's uh, also, also another the, interesting like, third piece of world building that we learn. Uh, Darian's nickname for her meatball head is actually about the little balls on her head. Maybe you guys had already made that yeah. connection. I never did. I assumed he was speaking to her uh, general flakiness and obsession with pasta. I never even <laughs> thought of it as a literal put down. No, I, 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 I agree with you. I don't know. I, maybe I knew it on some level, but it was made clear in this episode that he was talking about her head meatballs as and well, her, he called her meatball head. Her hair meatballs. Her real meatballs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the hair is the spaghetti. <laughs> the spaghetti and meatball model. Yes. Yes, of course. There there is though with that that like artist thing, there is that third meta layer of the right, creator of Sailor Moon itself being totally. an artist who is sort of creating characters that she sees in her dreams. Yeah. Um and making the work and sort of hiding potentially hiding behind it. Um, and not like revealing. I don't know if this was a story they took out of the manga or, or what. If if any of it sort of comes from any sort yeah. of personal animators thing from the creator really of Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but there there's potentially a a meta layer on top from yeah. the actual creator of Sailor Moon. Uh, because so so Peggy, I want to call her Peggy Sue. But, uh, Peggy Jones is uh, having prophetic dreams. Yeah, and dreams of the Negaverse and dreams of Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask and sort of the old kingdom and this old world that we still haven't learned a lot about. But she has she has visions and she's painting them. And Serena and Molly have gone to her exhibit uh, and, to look at all of her moon things, and we get my favorite Melvin's shout of all time. <laughs> even so better, good. even better than I don't like graveyard. There's no computers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This is so much He comes better. in and says, Heidi Ho, want to hear all the chemical <laughs> elements in paint? <laughs> it's almost like kind of meta, like he's realized what everyone hates about him and is diving headfirst into it. He's doubling down. He's tripling down on Melvin Town. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I feel like his shoutiness has become even stronger, too. He's, he's a like shouting meme. every line. Yeah. And then after he does his after he does that, he does do our, our normal Melvin like shouting the the drama of the episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's painted tells... by an artist. I bet she doesn't like herself very much. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's pretty shy. She never shows up at her galleries. Haha. <laughs> Maybe she's a man. Uh the the name that, that the artist goes by, by the way, is Lonnie Lanai. Okay. Which is fun. Uh but also I don't know that I'd buy that as a real name. Like, if she's coming up with a fake name, she didn't do a very good job. Uh, yeah, unlike Maxfield Stanton. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> God, a good that's name. That's a good one. <laughs> that's a really good name. Um, but, yeah, they're, like, going around looking at her paintings. Uh, there's, like, some sort of... This is a weird thing. Uh, I don't know if it's just with Japan's youth culture or, like, what it is, whatever it is. But they always, especially in anime, seem to have, like, weird, like uh superstitions about stuff that's like oh if you do this weird thing at this time it'll like mean that your crush is gonna get with you and 
apparently this time it's that if you if you buy prints of this artwork <laughs> your love dreams will come true it just seems like I something like, her I, I producer guess, yeah, came guess, up with and spread around yeah. like hey tell all the kids if they buy my shit that the, their love life <laughs> will get better I mean, I, I think it would come down to, like, how how earnestly you expect the kids to think that that's true in real life. Right. Because uh, I feel like that we've heard things like that in America, too. You're like, if you do this, you're if you're if you do the thing, then your your crush will notice you tomorrow or whatever dumb Absolutely. fucking thing it is. But I, I. Yeah. So I would not call it a uniquely Japanese experience. It's true. I guess uh, it always it always seems to be in anime like. It's a trope in anime. I don't see it often oh, in, sure, in our sure, sure. in our uh, animated content or like kids content here. Obviously, when I was in middle school, people were doing those fucking fortune teller things or like the, the mm-hmm. weird things they made out of paper. And it's like, oh, you're going to get married to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, kids do that shit all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of like love life, teen love life and dating, um, <laughs> I feel like we get kind of confirmation that ray and darian are actually dating yes yeah so melvin spies darian through the window just talking <laughs> to some girl talking to some girl he's talking to and there's, a, Jones. there's a little funny exchange where he's like hey isn't that the guy you hate darian yeah and <laughs> Serena's like yes it is i'm gonna go talk to him <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go give him a piece of my mind <laughs> yeah well because serena's excited because he's seeing darian sort of like making time Talking with another woman and she's excited to ray, rub it in ray's face not ray yeah ray is gonna be so steamed <laughs> she's gonna be so angry when i get to tell her this juicy like juicy fact oh yeah. Boy. so she, i guess she wants to tell dating. ray so bad yeah yeah they're full-on dating and that's that's fine i guess if not if it wasn't for the fact that darian is so entirely bored with her at all times Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like got... he's not aware that he's dating her, and everybody else seems <laughs> right. to think. <laughs> right. Oh, oh I thought um, I just made a finally made a. All of my notes are from this little this little exchange, because she's <laughs> now trying to get Darian to pose for for her painting, because she recognized him as as the Moon Prince Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> he says he says my my sick burn of the week at this time. Yeah. Where he says pose for what? Yeah. Go ahead, Andy. Lay it on us. He says, pose for what? Are you some kind of nut bar or something? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Then Serena comes out. Bar? And she accuses him of being a two-timing amoeba. Uh-huh. Yes. She does say, oh, cosmic, as like Oh, she does say, oh, cosmic. Oh, cosmic. Uh, Peggy has Very asked good. that she also compose... Yeah, uh, yeah. And Darian tells us, I can't stay for long. I have to go pick up my child girlfriend from junior high school. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, It's a very, like, Darian K. Letourneau sort of, <laughs> sort of <laughs> move. You know, here's the thing. Darian, no, no, no. Darian give must that one, black give out. Give that one a little extra space. I just want to hear him say, say the name again. <laughs> <laughs> Darian K. Letourneau? Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. I just wanted to hear Look, it again. We know he's at least 20 and we know they go to junior high school. So like I'm not backing off on this on this creepy no, vibe. No, no, I mean it's, you know, it's not it's not addressed well. No. <laughs> okay, you may continue, Austin. 
I just, I was going to say, I feel like Darian has, has blacked out enough in his life. I feel like he doesn't even know where he is most of the time. Oh, sure. Like he's had his brain cells bunked back down to a 14 year old himself. (laughs) Well, it's just that like, if he didn't even realize he was tuxedo mask, that means there are a lot of gaps in his waking consciousness. Yeah. Yes. That, you know, he's like a, like a weird narcoleptic who's just like, where (laughs) shit, where am I now? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. I have a girlfriend. Okay. What am I doing now? Huh? (laughs) I don't like Serena. Oh, I'm in a top hat now. That's weird. Good point. Good point. So I don't know how full, like how fully aware or awakened he is at any given point. Yeah. Uh, but it's, still, it's a fun I, sequence when they go to, to, to model. Um, yeah. Lonnie, Lonnie has them like sit next to each other on the couch, which initially they're like freaked out about. Uh, but they have like the, this like, they each get like a little internal monologue moment where they're both sort of going like, oh, well, I mean, they are pretty hot, though. Uh, yeah. She thinks Darian's a hunk, but she calls him a minus zero personality. <laughs> a couple times she calls him a negative zero. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, then there's this really strange animation moment. I don't know if it was just poorly translated, but she says uh, uh, why Ray likes him. Uh, I don't know. She, she must be brain dead. And then she hits her own head. And then I guess yeah. hits her own head so hard that she, she kind of goes cross-eyed for a moment and goes, Oh, <laughs> cosmic. And Darian says, is something wrong? And she goes, quiet. I'm posing. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't really understand what was happening. It with was that. a little confusing. I'm not positive. I took it as a, uh, a, what I read into it was, was it was a sort of, sort of normal, normal Serena style brain fart. And then she, Played it off as right uh, into the yeah. into the thing. It, it is it is sloppy. I, I noticed it as well, but that was how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. In and the then, meantime, we have a fun little Luna subplot. Oh <laughs> yes, that's right. We forgot to mention the the sort of inciting action for her whole drama this episode, which is that Serena accidentally left behind the crescent moon wand. Yeah, well, she almost she drops it, in it and it almost falls into the river. Mm-hmm. Right, and Luna's like, oh my god, this girl. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> she just dropped the Crescent Moon one, and it could have literally fallen into an ocean. And I've got to do everything around here. And then she goes off like in search of Serena. Mm-hmm. She can't find her when she's modeling. Yeah, yeah, Serena never tells anyone where she's going, even though she has a superhero's a level of responsibility. Line. Right. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, usually you'd want to leave a note. And they have cell phone technology for the Serena, for the Sailor Scouts. Yes, they do. Uh, so, you know, but she's off with a boy posing for a picture, so. Uh, but she, (laughs) so right before Luna manages to find her again, she's walking home with Peggy, and they're sort of having a little heart-to-heart about that stuff we were talking about earlier, the sort of, like, dual identity thing. And she says, oh, thanks for dinner, Peggy. I hope you don't mind that I polished off that whole apple pie. (laughs) <laughs> oh serena <laughs> ate a whole fucking pie and she's like nope it's fine no i figured you would he's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah no i, I basically planned for it because i know i kind of figured out the kind of person you are uh but then luna does find her and there's a really interesting moment that maybe sheds some light on what luna's like tough mom situation has been for the last whole run of the show where she's like, 
where Serena's like, are you mad at me? And she's like, oh, well, let's just say that you're the only Sailor Scout that would almost drop this thing in a river. And she's, and Serena just yells back at her, and she's like, you're so mean. Stop comparing me to them, and then runs off. Yeah, and, I'm glad she, she finally stands up. And I think Sir, Luna yeah. has a line, too, like, oh, there's her yeah. backbone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's finally got a backbone. I thought for sure she'd start crying. And... That makes me think maybe that Luna was trying to toughen her up the whole time and not just purposefully being a, a, a bitch about everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of morally dubious with some of it the is. digs that <laughs> the digs that Luna makes that are completely unnecessary and just sort of hurtful. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and we talked about these sort of like constantly shifting goalposts that made it you know made it impossible for Luna ever like please her. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But yeah, no, we. I feel like we do see a lot of character growth in the, just in this episode. I mean, yeah, we've sort yeah. of seen it more over time, but especially in this episode, we see uh, some significant growth. And uh, at this point, Peggy's, I guess, walking home through a through a construction site. And yeah. Is, and is jumped by Zoisite. Zoi. <laughs> They're really leaning into that new catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah without much fanfare she gets turned into vena warrior of the nega force mm. uh where her her uses her ability of feather rocks <laughs> well no so her feather the feather I, she, pens yeah she's got a feather that draws things in midair and they turn into the reality oh that's what it was it's okay. like a feather pen so it's she's she draws a they bunch did of not look like the, the feather pen quills though that you're used to seeing they look no. like little goose feathers <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. looked like a feather was appearing and then a rock was appearing and <laughs> I agree. just kind of I fell. agree. Totally. Uh but that seems to be her only power. She's got wings and she can, you know, kind of that SpongeBob Doodlebob episode, she just draws shit with a pencil I, I think in you, midair. I think you could read a little reality. bit of like Japanese supremacy in there where they're like, We were never so stupid as to use a goose fe- goose feather for a pen. Like we've had pens for like a really long time. <laughs> And just have no idea how to draw a feather quill because the idea of it is so insanely stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the the other the other sailor scouts, she calls them. They they all show up, uh, and the main fight is sort of sidelined uh, yeah. because because Serena goes off and has a moment with Tuxedo Mask for the entire time, basically. Right. Yeah, Tuxedo Mask saves her against Oasite for a moment, or against the. Creature, right? It's kind of where the forces of the of the Negaverse are really it's not a f- equal matchup. Like the Sailor Scouts are, are are significantly better equipped and and outpower these people. Yeah, they do have to stop them every time because if they don't, then they will get away with it. But they are not a a true threat to the existence of the Sailor Scouts. No, it hasn't appeared right. that way. So you don't need you don't need the full team every time. No. You Unless just need somebody have. there to keep them honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so they they fight Zoe side off and uh her and TJ Maxx sit down for like a a heart to heart and Well, first though, first there is a moment where Sailor Moon gets to save Tuxedo Mask where she returns the favor and she actually gets to save him this time. Oh yeah. She jumps in. That's which is true. again part of that part of that growth for Serena in this episode I think is is really capped off and emblematic of of her saving tuxedo mask that's cool yeah, yeah I yeah, had, I'd kind of forgotten that that occurred uh yeah. but you're totally right um and maybe maybe it's because of that that they both sort of are like you know standing there and talking to each other maybe for the first real time in this whole show like 
taking a moment to have a conversation in their costumes right. as sure. their people, right? Right, and not just because there is always there's always imminent danger. Yeah, and he basically is like. No, I'm not going to give you the crystal because that's like my whole deal and I'm going to do anything it takes and I'm only helping you because it keeps the negaverse from winning. Uh, It's like whenever our goals align, then I'll help you, but I can't guarantee that's always going to be true. Yeah, sure. Which is interesting to me. Yeah, I don't know how long that's going to stay. I liked the I liked the added the, the wrinkle in this plot, but it did seem like if they're both equally in opposition to the negaforce, then. I failed to see how they're not on the same team, but maybe yeah. that will become clearer later. It's also, it's also like, I still don't know how much Darian knows in tuxedo mask and who's really driving the bus right now. Sure. I think they're going to hold off from, from explaining that until there's a point when they're just the same person. Yeah. Right? yeah. They're just like fully, they know everything and they're just the same and they're not really going to delve into, okay, but in episode 24, did he know that he was <laughs> Darian and did Darian, yeah. you know, like, no, they'll just, I don't think they're going to. Exactly. So we cut back to, he flies off. We cut back to Sailor Legs and she's about to uh, electrocute this, electrocute this, this feather witch. You will address Jupiter by her God-given name. <laughs> Leader. I mean, Lita. Leader. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about how much she'd be a better leader. Um, <laughs> the Yeah, they win. I mean, there's kind of no effort there. They do the mercury bubbles that seem to do nothing, and then she chucks the tiara, and everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've said it before. Like, you can't, you can't bring in bubbles after fire <laughs> or lightning. You got to open with the bubbles. You got to soften them with the bubbles. <laughs> what did those bubbles do? Yeah, poke him. He's a little, uh, he's a little softer now. He's a little gooey. It, it, it worked really well. Uh, yeah. The, the <laughs> like last... like, what, what do the, what do the bubbles even do? Look, did you pick your powers? Because guess the fuck what? Neither did I. I got bubbles, and I'm I really do the doing the best I, I can with what I got. <laughs> somebody doesn't show up with lightning on my doorstep all right did you guys yeah have... i didn't get I, I nobody made me made me thor god of thunder i've got bubbles did you guys ever watch uh venture brothers uh yeah, there's yeah. there's that character uh jefferson twilight blackula hunter and there's an amazing sequence where he like everyone's like everyone around him is like i'll go do this magic thing i'll go take care of this thing and he's left alone and he goes i guess i'll check for blackula's Nope, no Blackulas. <laughs> that makes me think of a lot. Oh god! A, or you could also compare it to uh, Angel Summoner and, and the BMX Bandit. Right? Yeah, yeah, that great Mitchell and Webb sketch. Very good. Um, uh, so, I mean, is there anything else, or pretty much just cut to Sailor Says? Let's talk about I think the Sailor we can Says. Cut to the Sailor Says, which was a pretty delicious one. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We kind of get a standard thing that covers a little bit of, of falling into the expectations that are set by other people. Um, yeah, even if you're not as hot as you want to it, be. But we go from A to Z real quick. It's yeah, like, it you takes a hard left yourself. turn. Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes a hard left turn into drugs. <laughs> maybe maybe you quickly. shouldn't just do what other friends want to do, like getting into drugs or other bad stuff. Uh, just okay, you know, yourself, and if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. I was like, all right, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll accept this. I'll accept this left turn in order to get to this to this message. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, I think they saw an opening when they could talk yeah. about not doing drugs and they just sort of went, went in for the kill. <laughs> Man, how many episodes have we done? And we still haven't done the drug thing yet. Okay. What if all these kids are doing drugs? <laughs> drugs had just started when this episode came out. Oh, in the, in the mid 90s. That's when we invented yeah, drugs. When drugs started. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a watershed moment. Yeah. Like, I, we got to jump on this lickety split. I was only seven, so, you know, I didn't remember a world before drugs. Yeah, so. I know why you don't remember, because you got so blasted by those drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I was just freebasing it at five. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, there's a new fact you learned about me. I was high at age five, and that was Sailor Moon. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was a real reefer, me- was- a real reefer meanie. <laughs> <laughs> Teasing all, the, teasing all the kids about how they don't do drugs like me. And if I say, hey, you should do them, and they say no, I was like, dumb. That's dumb. <laughs> I'm going to go smoke some more pot. Well, you can't, because we're trapped inside a windmill. <laughs> oh. It's a drug-free windmill. It's a real wholesome, a this wholesome space. This is a space. completely drug-free windmill. You cannot, <laughs> leave. you cannot leave until you grind my wheat. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's grind that wheat right into an outro, shall we? Yeah. Uh, all right, thanks thanks for listening, everybody, to Saturday Morning Tuesdays. We were glad you were here in this windmill with us, <laughs> chewing on chewing on flaxseed and and oats, and we are <laughs> we're, we're so we're so pleased to have have the have all of these have all of these ground these ground oats and ground wheats uh, to to share with you, and we hope next time uh, you share some of your wheats and oats, and we are be here waiting for those oats. And now I give it to Austin to tell us the thing he says every time we leave. That sounds good. Yeah, we're going to go sow our wild oats elsewhere. and <laughs> Tweet your weed at us. <laughs> tweet your weed. Hey, kids, tweet your weed. Hashtag tweet your weed. Um, I'm going to, that's, yeah, I mean, of course, coincidence, but the thing we say every time, that thing that we say, that phrase we always say every time is, is tweet your weed. <laughs> Do you weed at that up to this? Hey everybody! Thanks, uh, thanks for for tilting at our windmill this week. You know, joining us in that windmill party. I know it's it's pretty pretty cramped up in this in this bread zone. We don't have a lot of places to sit, but we appreciate you coming anyway because we like your style. Uh, we're putting out this podcast every week. We're making that sweet content. Uh, please tell your friends about us. Tell us. Tell them. Tell your mom. Uh, put it out on on Twitter. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We got a website. It's satamtuesdays.com. That's s a t a m tuesdays.com. Uh, we'd like to thank our very lovely sponsors this week, Chimney Beans and TGI Alberts. And I'd like to give you a little plug for next week's episode because we are doing a very special episode with our friend Amalia Larson on the incredible 1987 cartoon Beverly Hills Teens. Watching episodes 1, 25, and 39 of that gem. So uh, come on back to, to the windmill. We're not going to do a windmill thing like ever again. <laughs> <laughs>